how are you now? Oh, how are you now? <laughs> We're back to back. Going back to back. How's everybody doing? Hello and welcome to episode 23 of the Bottom Six Minutes podcast presented by Habs Eyes and the Prize. I am Matt Drake and we are here to talk about uh, Montreal Canadiens returning back to the Bell Centre as I mentioned in yesterday's episode um, to start their homestand against the Florida Panthers. Now I mentioned in that episode there's a few things I held back on talking about in that game because I kind of wanted to wait and see what they would do against a bit of a better team Panthers definitely a bit of a better team than the Columbus Blue Jackets so uh, what would they have in store for us were they going to have a good game were they going to have one of those absolute stinkers that they are at times capable of putting up uh, depending on the opponent Um, before we get to all of that The holiday season is off and rolling with NFL in full stride and the NBA and NHL hitting mid-season form. BetOnline is your number one destination for all your sports wagering info. With up-to-the-minute sports wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions, BetOnline is the top spot for everything pro and amateur sports. Not just the big four. BetOnline has info available at your fingertips, both desktop and mobile access at any time for almost any sport that is played from MMA all the way through to international soccer. We've got you covered. So head to BetOnline today and remember to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. And your Montreal Canadiens started their game against the Florida Panthers much better than I expected them to. They got an early power play about two minutes in. What will they do with it? Nothing. Well, they did get a shot on goal and they didn't look too bad. And honestly, throughout the entire period, they were significantly better than I expected them to look. Second half of a back-to-back with travel against one of the top teams in the East. I thought it was going to be rough, but we get to the end of the period scoreless. um, Shots about even, shot attempts even. Honestly, they were taking it to the Florida Panthers like they were neck and neck. And uh, again, scoreless, so nothing to really write home about. But the fact that they played that well in the first period after traveling and everything against the top team in the East was enough of a positive for me. Still looking decent in the second period, somehow hanging in there with the Florida Panthers. But then, of course, we get some four-on-four action. Um, The officials really letting almost anything go in this game until they decided to randomly pull the whistles out of their asses uh, and make a fucking call on some ridiculous shit uh, for both sides, by the way. I'm not just saying this from the Habs' perspective. Uh, The Florida Panthers had reason to be mad about the officiating in this game, too. It was bad. But anyways, they made a couple of calls, made it four on four. Gustav Lindstrom, with one of the worst passes I've ever seen, trying to go D to D in the offensive zone at the point, uh, and he telegraphs it. It's so obvious what he's about to do. He's looking for Alex Newhook, and it gets taken the other way. Sasha Barkov has the puck, basically a two-on-one, but he decides to keep it and shoot. And he beats Caden Primo with a low shot to the glove side. Keep that in mind because that's something that would come up again later in the game. It's one nothing for the Florida Panthers. Refs are ignoring about 70 to 80% of the penalties either way in this game. But it starts getting chippy. And of course it does because the refs are not making the fucking calls that they're supposed to make. Habs get a chance on the power play with about five minutes left in the game. Aaron Ekblad off with a high stick. It's absolutely trash but they nearly score at the end of it. Really, after two periods, they're down one nothing. 
but it's not looking that bad for the Habs. The power play, pretty atrocious, let's be honest, when they're not, you know, immediately called for a penalty and it ends the threat uh, without them getting so much as a chance of actually getting set up. Uh, even when they do get the chance to set up, it's looking pretty bad. But otherwise, five on five, um, really a decent game through 40 minutes. And then, right off the opening draw in the third period, Justin Barron, he pinches in the neutral zone, and Sam Bennett takes the puck, walks in, and guess what he does? He goes far side, low glove, on Caden Primo, and it's 2-0. Eight seconds into the period, it's 2-0. Not long after that, Alex Newhook, he's coming in in the zone, uh, offensive zone with speed, slides into the net and absolutely twists his ankle in a way that it's not supposed to be twisted with all of his weight pushing on it. That's not good. It's the second time he got slew-footed in the first period, which went uncalled, by the way. And uh, so that's two times that he's gone down pretty hard, uh, looking to hurt himself in the lower body area, and he's done for the night there. Uh, more on that afterwards when we talk about the storylines of the game, so to speak. Um, not good. And, of course, add insult to injury. Um, he's done for the night, and just not long after that, Evan Rodriguez kind of gains his own, throws a long prayer on net, and beats Caden Primo clean a bad one one that he absolutely needs to stop and guess where it went low glove side well i think that was actually high glove side but either way the glove side not very kind uh to caden primo in this game it's three nothing at this point and then brendan gallagher gets shoved into the net he goes crashing into sergey bobrovsky shoved in by Dmitry Kulikov, and the refs, guess who they call? They call Brendan Gallagher for goaltender interference. Absolute fucking horseshit call, and shocker. Carter Verhage scores on the power play, makes it 4 nothing for the Florida Panthers. The Habs get one back. Cole Caulfield with a beautiful play in the offensive zone. Uh, he cuts in, and he's completely bottled up at the outside hash mark. Uh, nowhere to go with it, and he just banks it to himself off the boards behind his back, turns, makes a couple dangles, gets himself out of traffic, surrounded by like four Panthers, gets it over to Johnny Kovacevic, and he throws a shot that goes off Sergei Bobrovsky's glove, up and over it, and then into the net. It's 4-1. to one. Um, Later on, Josh Anderson beat the absolute shit out of Jonah Gajevic. And uh, so that was, you know, a small victory for the Montreal Canadiens. But right after that, uh, Oliver ekman Larson made it 5-1, and that was your final score. Uh, an ugly score, but I'll, I got to be honest. <clears throat> At 5-on-5, five five, I didn't hate that game. I, I know. It sounds stupid to say. They lost 5-1. I should just be here raging about the officiating and everything else. But uh, the the first thing I want to say before I get into anything else is that was not a bad game for them at 5-on-5 five five against a an ostensibly far superior team and on the second half of a back-to-back with travel. I think that was about the best that you could ask them to play at 5-on-5. Five five. If Sergei Bobrovsky has an off night, they might have been a lot closer. Uh, Bobrovsky had to make a number of saves. They didn't make it easy on him. Um, especially in the third period, you know, they were pushing, trying to get a couple extra goals. Uh, Cole Caulfield was really involved uh, in trying to get those goals, but they just couldn't really do much against Bobrovsky, uh, couldn't do much about the refs making shitty calls, and Caden uh, Primo let in a few goals uh, in the same spot where uh, clearly the Panthers noticed that after, uh, I think I think they noticed it after the first goal, never mind after the Sam Bennett goal at the start of the third period certainly if they didn't notice it after the first goal they noticed it after the Bennett goal uh, and they kept shooting in that direction so I mean it worked for him it worked for him but again I commend at least the effort level of the Montreal Canadiens at five on five I thought that was better than I was it was certainly better than I was expecting so uh, not too bad Uh, silver lining of the night (laughs) it's tough 
Uh, you know, they lost another forward, and we don't know yet. He's going to be evaluated tomorrow, Alex Newhook, that is. So we don't know how long he's going to be out. So it's kind of tough to really find a silver lining in that game. Uh, the five-on-five play could have been it, but I'm going to go with Cole Caulfield. Uh, anybody who watched that game, you, you saw the way that he was generating opportunities there. Usually he does it with his shot, uh, but this time he was just facilitating plays. If he can continue making plays like that, uh, he could very well be on his way to a potential 100-point player in the NHL. I don't say that lightly. Uh, it's been a long time since the Habs had one of those. I would very much like for it to be anybody on the roster. It's not um, a preference for me for it to be Cole Caulfield or anybody else. I'd love for them to just have a 100-point player, period. Um, but he's showing that he has the ability to make himself into more of a playmaker when he's not getting his looks that he needs in order to to make bank off of that shot uh, he's capable of creating space for himself of making moves making defenders miss um, again completely bottled up on that Kovacevic goal and somehow some way figured out a method of you know turning around spinning uh, playing off of defenders protecting the puck really well and then getting it to his point man uh, to get an opportunity for a shot on goal so Cole Caulfield your silver lining of the night um, close second for silver lining of the night for me was Jaden Struble. He made a couple of really nice rushes. Really liked his game there. He's super physical. He drew a couple of penalties, which was not easy to do with those fucking refs. And um, he, he could be the real deal for them on the point. Um, we had a bit of a conversation about that in my last article from uh, yesterday's episode on Habs Eyes and the Prize. Uh, because I had talked about you know the possibility of trading uh, Samuel Montembeau to the Edmonton Oilers, and another thing that's been very important for the Oilers to get has been defense. And some people brought up Struble's name, and uh, you know we got into a bit of a conversation in the comments about that. And I think a lot of fans agree with me. He's maybe a guy that I'd rather keep. You know the the you know if you're trading to contenders, they want finished products. They want people that are ready to play top four, top six minutes now. I think Struble is ready for those minutes, but I think he's still got development track left. And the Habs have time. That's the the one thing about a rebuild is you have the luxury of time to wait for guys to develop. And right now, I'm really liking what I see out of Jaden Struble. I would rather them hang on to a guy like him and see what can you turn him into. If this is what he's doing now in his first quick taste of NHL action, what's he going to be able to do when he's 100% ready? I mean... I just I just think it's it's too premature to move a guy like that. I would hang on him. I'll try to trade some of the older players first. So really good game from him. Really enjoyed it. But that's kind of where this silver lining stop. Um, f- following that, we, we got to talk about uh, some of the negative things. I'll start with the officiating. Anybody who listens to this podcast knows it's not something that I can shy away from. I just don't have it in me. That was fucking brutal. And... You guys have heard me go on about Tim Peel, how I think he does have it out for the Montreal Canadiens. These refs didn't have it out for the Montreal Canadiens. They definitely had it out for Brendan Gallagher because he was getting abused in front of the net. Uh, he got his, his bucket knocked completely off by a high stick at one point, and they didn't call it. And then later on in the game, they call him for goaltender interference, even though he got slashed and then wrapped up and shoved into the net by Dmitry Kulikov. It was clear as day. And still, they send him to the box. So good to know that he's still on the shit list for the NHL officials and he's never going to get the right call called on him. It's bullshit. And um, these refs should be investigated for that. It's it's not a fair, it's not a level playing field for him. And again, this is a game in which both teams had legitimate gripes with the officials. Like they missed a high stick on uh, Sasha Barkov, got clipped with a high stick. I can't remember who hit him, but the ref was staring right at it and called nothing. It's, you know... Uh, Habs Fan TV, shout out to them. They had their little chant that they were doing outside of the Bell Center. I'm blind, I'm deaf, I want to be a ref. Yeah. that's Those are literally hiring criterion 
for the NHL when they come to uh, pick their officials is, are you blind? Are you deaf? Yeah, you could be a fucking ref. It's ridiculous. Every single night in the NHL. If it's not one game, it's a different game. They are the storyline. They are what everybody's talking about because you sit there, you watch the game, and you see all of these calls just being horrible. In this game, I think they made three calls that were correct, right? Other times, they were either making these ticky-tack calls to try and make up for a previous call that they made that was stupid or a previous call that they missed. And uh, and then there's times where they just completely jobbed it, like the Gallagher penalty. So um, this is the worst officiated league in professional sports, um, in my opinion. I'm sure basketball fans uh, might have something to say about that. I've watched a few basketball games where even me, as an uneducated fan, I'm raising my eyebrow a little bit. But the NHL is so putridly officiated. Uh, it needs a complete fucking overhaul. They need to burn it down and start fresh with new people. It might be rough for a year or two, but guess what? We're already used to rough with the group that you got. So, end rant. Uh, the officials are bad. What else is new? Um, I'll tell you what else is new. The Montreal Canadiens might be without Alex Newhook for a little while. Uh, I mentioned it when I was talking uh, through the recap and everything. Uh, he's getting evaluated uh, tomorrow, as far as I know. We do not know how long he's going to be out, but he was putting zero weight on his ankle. He had to get helped off the ice after he went into the net like that. Um, again, you don't want to armchair doctor it, but it could have been a broken ankle. At the very least, it could have been a high ankle sprain. He, we might not be seeing him again until the new year, and that leaves a pretty significant hole in the top six for the Montreal Canadiens. Who's going to fill it? You might take a wild guess <laughs> at who I'm going to suggest to fill it. It's Joshua Roy. Um, I, I think you need to give the guy a shot. I don't care if it's only a couple of games and then you uh, you move on, you try somebody else. I have no qualms about doing a rotation, but you need to give uh, some young players a shot at this. This is a perfect opportunity. I hate to say the words perfect and opportunity uh, following talking about a player that got injured because I don't like that being the opportunity, but it is the perfect opportunity to give Joshua Hawaii a shot at your top six. I've been saying for a long time, he's potentially the missing piece when it comes to having a successful line with Cole Caulfield and Nick Suzuki both on it. I think this is your shot to try it. I, I really do. I mean, what other opportunity are you going to get? What other opportunity are you waiting for? I mean, he's not a player that you want to bring up, Joshua Hawaii that is, and, and have him play in the bottom six. You don't want to bring him up, throw him on the fourth line and just be like, here you go, kid. You're going to grind it out all day. Uh, with Jake Evans as your center, um, and we just want you to eat minutes. Uh, he can do that. He's capable of it, but I don't think it's what they want him to be. Like when he's officially a member of the Montreal Canadiens day one, I don't think that's what they want him to be. So don't use him like that. I guess you could also go with Tanner Pearson. I mean, Tanner Pearson actually played uh, a short period of time uh, as the de facto top line with Nick Suzuki at center and Cole Caulfield on the other side, and they looked really good. Uh, but it was a super short sample, so there's no telling if that would work uh, for long. I mean, once Newhook went down, they were they were struggling. They were just kind of trying some things out there. But overall, like the most used lines on the night uh, were pretty negative. Uh, they had Newhook and Suzuki with Brandon Gallagher. I talked about that last game in a positive light, and I said I would hold off on uh, any uh, significant sweeping judgments until I saw them against Florida. That line struggled. 
while they were together. They struggled. So I, I don't think necessarily that's going to be an option moving forward. They might need to look at other things like Joshua Hawa. Um, I've also talked quite a fair bit actually about that other second line that they've been using with Uri Slavkovsky, centered by Christian Dvorak and with Cole Caulfield on the other side. That line struggled yet again. Um, so it's time for something to change there. And that's why I think bringing up Joshua Hawa is the smart play here. It gives you an opportunity to try something new in the top six, to try someone new in the top six, and to completely reconfigure it uh, if and while Alex Newhook is out. I assume he's not going to be available for at least the next couple of games. Uh, and I don't think there's anything wrong with bringing Joshua Hawa up, giving him a little taste. And uh, if Newhook happens to be ready in short order, great. You can put him back in the lineup. Uh, no harm, no foul. You had an opportunity to try something new. If he's not ready, well, at least we're trying something new. We're seeing what people can do. We're bringing up some guys from the farm and giving him an opportunity to perform. Um, of course, uh Michael Pizzetta didn't play in the last game, so I know it's a possibility that they just bring him back into the fold uh, and just move forward by bringing somebody else up from the bottom six, like Jesse Elanen uh, would be a good option to bring up from the bottom six. He had a pretty good game there against the Panthers. Um, I don't know. It's just, for me, I, I feel like this is your chance. I, I said I wanted to see Joshua Hawaii before Christmas. This is your chance, guys. Get it done. Um, I'm going to move on before I make this whole podcast about a guy who didn't even play tonight. Um, I talked about the forwards and last night when I did my episode for last night's game, I said I was going to reserve my judgment on the defense because I just didn't have anything, uh, bad that I could really say about them. You know, it was, it was a decent game against, um, a not so great team. And now after this game against Florida, I, I have some gripes. The first one is Gustav Lindstrom. Not an option. Not an option, this guy. Um, I know he came over in the trade, right, from the Red Wings. I know that he was kind of just a body that they took the other way just to have some options. Uh, he wasn't necessarily somebody they acquired thinking he was going to be uh, the next top four defenseman for them. And uh, I, sure, I certainly hope that wasn't the case anyways because he's clearly the fuck not. Um, that pass on the four-on-four, four, shockingly bad. I mean, he stared down Alex Newhook, made it so obvious that's where he was going with the puck, and then he didn't even put any fucking mustard on it. He just kind of sent it across the blue line, and before he even let go of that puck, I sat up and said, that's getting intercepted, and then it did. And of course, again, Barkov goes down, puts it in the net, and the rest is history. Um, he's an, He's not an option. Lindstrom is not an option. He has some games where he looks all right. He's put the puck in the net a couple of times, but he's not an option. Um, he, I, I, I'm tired of the ups and downs. I'm tired of the terrible passes that are clearly telegraphed. You could send a fucking smoke signal and people would have less time to intercept it than they did with the way that you did it. Um, man, it's it, the experiment's got to be over there. I, I would like to see them try somebody else. The only problem is I don't know who else they really have at this point without calling somebody else up from Laval. So um, they're, they're not in a great spot with uh, D being hurt. The good news there being that uh, Arbor Jacki was skating uh, this morning before the game. So I don't know how soon he'll actually be ready to play. That would be a wonderful sight to see him back in the lineup. And the first D that I'd be pulling out is Gustav Lindstrom. I do not want to hear shit about pulling Jaden Struble out of the lineup. I want Gustav Lindstrom to be pulled out of the lineup. I don't know why he was one of the most used defensemen for them in that game. He was number two behind Caden Gooley for ice time. Not an option. Not an option. Stop that. Stop that immediately. Um, 
outside of that, it, it wasn't too bad on D. Uh, but Mike Matheson had a very rough night. Um, and it's been a sequence of, of up and down nights for him. I mean, he, again, I, I said it after the last game, right? On the last episode, I said Mike Matheson, not his best game, but he somehow managed to have two assists. So what are you really going to say? In this one, now I got something to say. Because it's, it's almost like if he can't put up points, he's a liability out there. He makes some boneheaded plays with the puck. I mean, sometimes it's because he's trying something creative offensively, which is good. But at the same time, you're the most experienced defenseman on the team. They should be able to rely on you to at least not be giving the puck away, to at least not be making bonehead passes with it. And right now they can't. Right now they can't. So like, I'm, if I'm being completely honest, and I know this is not realistic. Mike Matheson's not going to get scratched. But if I had my choice... If, if you take out roster constraints and everything else, I'd bench Matheson and Lindstrom next game. I'd hope that Arbor Jacka is ready. And if not, I'd call up two players from Laval and I'd be like, you guys are getting a shot. I'm not doing it with these two anymore. Um, brutal. Brutal. Can't have that. You just can't have it. I know it's a rebuild. We don't really care if we're winning or losing. But, uh, you know, Lindstrom's not an option, period, point final. And Mike Matheson, uh, he's just he's too up and down right now. If he doesn't put the puck in the net, he's a liability. And uh, he was a liability in this game. So um, something's got to change. Il faut que ça change. And um, I don't really have all of the answers. But what I would do, again, hope and pray Arbor Jack is ready as soon as possible. And I would call up Joshua Watt. I think it's time. I think, um, you know, we as fans deserve an opportunity to see what he can do. I think he deserves an opportunity to prove what he can do. I think he's done enough in the AHL to at least warrant a little bit of a call-up. Um, and, you know, again, a lot of people, whenever I suggest this, they come at me and they go, oh, it's too soon, you're going to ruin his development. What's going to ruin his development about getting a couple of NHL games? What's it going to do? This is the kind of kid that, that puts his head down and does the work when he realizes something about his game that he needs to fix. If anything, a two to five game stint for him in the NHL, if it doesn't go well, all it's going to do is give him data to go back and work his ass off on. I promise you, this is not the kind of kid that's going to come up, have a couple of bad games, go and put his head down and uh, you know pity himself and then stop working. No, he's going to go back to the drawing board. He's going to work his ass off to get back to where he was or where he needs to be rather. So, look, I think I've rambled on enough about that game. Not a great, <laughs> not the, the most uh, shining endorsement of the Habs after I said they did play well at 5-on-5. Five five. So I'll close on a bit of a positive here, okay? If you told me that they were going to lose 5-1 to the Florida Panthers, I would say, okay, that doesn't shock me. But I would probably assume that they didn't come anywhere near 45% of the shot attempts. The fact that they were able to get up over 45% of the shot attempts for at even strength in a game where, again, second half of a back-to-back with travel against one of the top teams in the East, and they are not one of the top teams in the East, I think that's a positive. <laughs> no, I'm reaching a little bit here, but I think it's a positive. I think there was a better chance that they got absolutely murdered in this game than there is that they did what they did. Uh, and I, I really don't think it was it was that bad of a game at 5-on-5. Five five. So I think we should at least take solace in that. We should hope that a couple of changes come as the homestand continues. And uh, we'll see. We'll see. I think we're going to get more information uh, probably tomorrow. 
certainly we're going to get some information at least on Newhook. They'll probably let us know how long he's going to be out for. Um, again, I'm expecting that to probably be for a while. Uh, but then they don't play again until Saturday, which well, it's already Thursday, so what do I mean? That's only one day off. Uh, so if there are any lineup changes, those are probably going to be coming down tomorrow too, or at least we'll have a good idea of what they're going to be. So they play Saturday, and then they play Monday against the Kraken, and then they've got uh, next Thursday against the the Kings. So they got three tough games coming up. I'm I'm interested to see what they're going to do, um, and I, I think the entire fan base is interested to see what they're going to do. They're all at home, so uh, now you don't have any travel. Hopefully, you can figure things out and uh, put together a couple of good games for us. So, what are we running? Almost 25 minutes. Soirée inconnue pour les employés de soutien. Um, we're on Spotify, Google Play, Apple. I'm on Twitter at DrakeMT. Drop me a follow. I'd appreciate that very much. This episode was brought to you by Bet Online. Thank you, as always, for listening. And of course, à la prochaine.